0: But well, I want you to turn in the Word of God this morning to Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. I want you to imagine that you are this eunuch. And what you don't realise as you're travelling home from Jerusalem is that all the events have been ordered by God. Everything has been planned. Everything has been planned and ordered perfectly by God. You're even going to be the subject of a prophecy of foretelling the future that Cush or Ethiopia shall stretch out their hands to God in Psalm 68 and verse 31. You've been to Jerusalem and you've seen some remarkable things there. You're a convert to the Jewish religion, you're an proselyte, and you've gone to Jerusalem to worship. At home in Ethiopia, you had a very good job, and you still do. You're Chancellor of the Exchequer to Candacea, the Queen of the Ethiopians. But you know also that Ethiopia is looked upon as a despicable nation by the Jews. And the Jews give you a terrible nickname. They call Ethiopians Lacamores." While you're in Jerusalem, you see that Jerusalem is alive. A new faith was taking, pli- taking root. And amazing things were happening. And you were hearing some incredible things. While you're in Jerusalem, you may well have seen baptisms taking place there. And now there was a long journey home. And most of it is through a desert. Nothing very interesting in a desert, nothing much to look at apart from sand. And so you turn to the scriptures, you have a copy of the scriptures. And you like your job. You're very good at Mass, and you're very good at looking after the treasury. And you have the scriptures on a scroll and you're reading them with great enthusiasm. And yet you're, you're reading the scriptures with questions in your mind. What is this all about? And suddenly you find a man called Philip somebody who you've never met before, suddenly appears. And you think to yourself, where did you turn up? What you don't realise is an angel had told Philip, you've got to go to speak to an Ethiopian, to speak to you as you travel home. You're sitting in the chariot, and you're absolutely gripped by what you're reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as the lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And just at that very moment, you have God's appointed preacher coming alongside you and sitting with you and listening to you. And you ask, Philip, a question. I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this of himself or some other man. You want to know, and you're reminding yourself of some of the things that you've seen going on in Jerusalem. What is this all about? It's Isaiah. Is he speaking about himself, or is he speaking about someone else? And you hear Philip speaking to you, And it melts your heart. What you don't realise is that in that chariot that day, there were three of you. There's Philip, there's you, and there's the Holy Spirit. And he's telling you about Jesus. This prophecy of Isaiah, which was given about 700 years before, is foretelling the glorious coming of the Lord Jesus. You see, says Philip, he was just like a sheep going to the slaughter. He was like a lion before his shearer is silent. He's giving you the good news about Jesus. When he was reviled, he didn't revile again. He opened not his mouth he was never a recipient of justice the most unjust thing that could ever take place took place when he went to Calvary justice was taken away and perhaps he was told that Pilate washed his hand of the whole situation perhaps he told him how that the people said crucify him crucify him, perhaps he told him how the religious hypocrites of the day planned it all, and you sit there, and you're absolutely blown away by it, his life was taken, and there's no doubt that other scriptures were used by Philip, because we're told but he began with these scriptures and told him the good news about Jesus. And listen, Philip says, he bore the punishment instead of you, in order that you may go free. And there is that day in that chariot an amazing descent of grace from the throne of grace. And it's moving in your heart, and you realize that something is happening that hadn't happened before. A remarkable change is taking place. And you begin to see something quite remarkable that is about Jesus. And this wonderful salvation has come from heaven's glory to a man like you. And there's one man and you and the Holy Spirit working a mighty work of amazing grace in your heart. And you say to Philip, as you perhaps remember what happened in Jerusalem in the baptisms, See, here is water. There was an oasis in the desert. What hinders me from being baptised? Well, Philip made a very clear answer. If you believe with all your heart, you may. That's the one qualification for you being baptised. And what is it to believe with all your heart? It is to lay hold upon the Lord Jesus. It is to know that wonderful Saviour and he alone can save you from sin. Three weeks ago we had a visit from my son and grandson. And uh, early on Saturday morning, they walked up the pier. A bit too early for us. <laughs> and as he started to walk my grandson two years and three months, he was okay at the beginning until he looked through the floorboards and saw the sea underneath him. Ah! Mummy! He fled to his mum's arms. And my dear friends, if you're not a believer, you need to flee to Christ and to come into the arms of the glorious person of the Lord Jesus by Peter sinking, having walked on the water. And the Lord Jesus offered his hand to Peter. And you need to come, my friend, and you need to lay hold with all that you are upon the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it to believe on him? It is to receive him. At Christmas time you receive gifts. And you enjoy receiving gifts. Some gifts you think, oh dear, here we go again. I'm not all that keen on that gift. I'll pass it on to somebody else. (laughs) But when we receive a gift, the gift of Christ, and believe on Him, we see that we're in debt. And we're in debt because of our sin. And we know that there's one who paid the debt and can set us free from debt. And give us a remarkable credit balance. And delivers us from the prison house of sin. What is it to believe on Christ? It is to apply to him. To plead with him. To come with nothing in your hand. And to realise that he is full of grace. And he is full of truth. Truth. And you look to him knowing that he will come and that he will meet with you. It is to flee to him with all that you're worth. We've seen some of the pictures of people in the Ukraine, haven't we? And the air raid shelters go and they flee. The air raid sirens go and they flee to a place of safety. And my friend, you are to flee to Christ because of the terrible danger that you're in an awful and a terrible danger you see it needed more than understanding it needed a response from within and that day you came to believe with all your heart in the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. And the question that I would ask everyone here, have you come to do that yourself? Have you come to believe with all your heart? You say, I'm pretty bad. Aren't we all? But there is a Lord Jesus who can make the foulest clean. And you may have come here over the weeks and months and you're beginning to understand things. You're beginning to see things fitting into place. And you're beginning to see a mighty plan of salvation. And it's very simple and it's very wonderful and it's very glorious. But yet you haven't come to receive it for yourself. And like this eunuch, you don't realise that it's all under God's ordering. God has ordered that you be brought up perhaps in a Christian home. God has ordered perhaps that you hear the word of God, that you become part of the young people's fellowship in this place. But what is needed most of all is that there might be a response. Otherwise it can be like water off a duck's back. If you believe with all your heart, you may. Perhaps you've heard other people's testimonies. And perhaps in your heart you say, I really wish I had that. Perhaps as a young person you've seen another young person become a Christian. And in your heart you look at them and you say what a difference. And you say, I really wish I had that. Then why not this morning why not there be a change tra- 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 in your heart at this very moment lay hold upon Christ lay hold upon him and do it with all your heart because this is what the eunuch said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and you as the eunuch smile at that because it's a wonderful thing to believe with all your heart that Jesus is the son of God you command the chariot to stand still And you go down with Philip into the water. I don't want to make a cheap point here. You're not going down into a font. Went down into the water. And he baptised him. Identification with Christ. A great sign of the inward work of God. And what a great joy it was that day to be baptized, as perhaps you'd seen people in Jerusalem being baptized, and you identify yourself with the people of God. It's a wonderful thing, a glorious thing to be baptized. I remember the very first baptism service I ever took in South End was 45 years ago this month and I baptised a couple through whom I came to know my wife and it was a joyful occasion, it was lovely but I was required to have an outfit that was made for Goliath <laughs> and it was full I got down into the water and I found only was it made for Goliath? It was full of punctures as well. <laughs> and I got out of the water, I remember, and all the water came flooding up, <laughs> flooding up the side of the. And I preached in my bare feet that night, first time, and I'm glad I was in a pulpit. I didn't have to look at my bare feet. But nothing like this here. There was nothing special about it. There was no special clothing here. It just happened. Let me ask you another question. Have you been baptized? As a believer. But yourself was sprinkled. Well, as a believer. This unit was baptized as a believer. And you come out of the water. And then you look around. Where's Philip? He's gone. It's been caught away. Because the most important thing is the message, not the messenger. And you go on your way rejoicing. And you say to yourself, I would never have thought that this would have happened today in a desert. Who would ever have anticipated it? And there are some times when God... Comes and surprises in a most amazing confession. When my brother, a young man of 23, came to a meeting at Chessington many years ago in 1975, that was many years ago, it was all a big joke. And he came along that night to see me set apart for gospel ministry and he walked home with me that night and he said, Ray, I've got to tell you I was completely overcome and the Lord saved him and I mentioned my friend Harry Kilbride who was the minister the last, one of the last, the last Sunday he was at Chessington Harry Kilbride baptised my brother and maybe in your heart you're beginning to notice something happening that wasn't there before. There's a movement. My friend, encourage that movement. Encourage it. Because it requires a personal response from you. You can reject it and you can say, that's a load of old rubbish, but one day you'll see it's true and you could find it be too late. Because as sure as I'm standing here, it is true. May you want to know more like this here, God moves in a mysterious way. And perhaps even this morning, there's going to be a mighty work done in somebody's heart in this place I pray that it will but you know I've got to say this too there's a bible text that says this how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation neglect when you neglect something, you don't do anything about it. Somebody may neglect the garden, it's full of weeds because they haven't done anything about it. Somebody may neglect their body by not having a wash, by not doing anything about it. Boys and girls, young people, when you've got maths, homework to do, you want to neglect it sometimes, I presume. English grammar oh if only I could leave that I'm not keen on that but oh to neglect this so great salvation is a tragedy is an absolute and complete tragedy because by neglecting it you reject it and you need to come Because the eunuch knew it was for him. And his response was immediate. He didn't say to Philip, look, this is all good, this preaching about Jesus is wonderful, but let me go away and think about it. He gave an immediate response. You see, you can neglect things by being taken up with other things. And there are plenty of attractions around, aren't there, to attract you away from the gospel. but oh that you would come even this morning and you would close with the glorious person of the Lord Jesus you would join with this eunuch who every believer will one day see in heaven around that amazing and around that glorious throne and that you would trust in him of so, you know, I, I, I preached at the Thanksgiving service to my brother-in-law a couple of weeks ago. And it was a bittersweet occasion. As I said, he was a lovable eccentric. But most of all, he knew the Lord Jesus. And he had a very difficult life at times, but he knew the Lord Jesus. And he was ready to be go. He was ready to be taken. He was ready To be at home with the Lord. Are you ready? Who knows that this may be the very last time that you will ever hear. And you know in Luke 16, that parable of the rich man and Lazarus, there's one word in that parable that should stick in your mind. Remember. Remember the times you heard the truth. Remember the times you heard the gospel. And it just adds to your responsibility. Remember. And I pray that you won't have that word applied to you in eternity. Because you will have responded by saying, yes, this is for me. This really is for me. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold." You know if Vernon Hyam had been around in the day of the eunuch he may well have gone away singing great is the gospel of our glorious God where mercy met the anger of God's rod a penalty was paid and pardon bought and sinners lost at last to him were bought. You can almost imagine him singing it, can't you? He was full of joy. The message had come. The messenger had gone but that message was there. It's a living word. And I pray that that living word by the Spirit will be applied to your heart this morning. And that you might know what it is to be saved, to have your heart melted by the love of Christ and by the wonder of salvation in the Son. And know the greatest gift of all. Christmas is a lovely time. It's a lovely time for the believer to remember that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. But all that this Christmas, you may know what it is to not only hear about the gift, but to receive it for yourself and to know something of that inexpressible and glorious joy let us pray Lord God in heaven you know every heart bow before you now You know the ones who are your children and those who need to become your children. And Father, we do pray that you may work upon those who need to become your children this morning and melt them and move them and cause them to embrace the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that in your great mercy that there might be rejoicing in heaven over sinners repenting, that you might get all the praise and all the glory. May they remember the message and forget the messenger. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.